Hello and welcome to the East Baltimore Graffiti Church's podcast. We are so excited to have you join us today. If you have any questions or comments, please email us at ebgraffitichurch at gmail.com or you can check us out on our website at ebgraffitichurch.org. Good morning. That was good. Hey, turn in your Bibles with me, please, to Ezra chapter 8 as uh, we begin this morning. Do a little, uh, a little review as uh, we're turning the page. We're watching a movie. We're in a series. We're in a series here. Um, there's a new guy on the scene. Uh, there's a new player in our movie. His name is Ezra. Remember, 57 years have gone by. Uh, God has called Ezra to make this trip from Babylon. The Jews are still in exile um, to the Persians, to the Medes. And God has called this guy named Ezra. He's a scribe. Uh, he is a religious leader of a particular sort. And to go and to take another group of exiles to Jerusalem. You remember the temple has already been built. Um, this time has elapsed. And we saw... Um, we saw last week that God was providing favor uh, for Ezra from the king. The king said, Ezra, whatever you want. How much money do you want, Ezra? How many people do you want to take with you to go back to Jerusalem? As a matter of fact, Ezra, I'm going to give you some letters that say you're even going to rule the provinces around Jerusalem so that you'll be safe. Uh, remember, the hand of the Lord, we said, the hand of the Lord was upon Ezra. Um, we also said that God was providing, that God was providing protection, that God was providing protection for Ezra and the Israelites. We also saw last week that God was providing resources for the mission. The hand of the Lord was upon him and God was providing resources for the mission. And then we saw also how God provided, was providing authority for Ezra through the king. Remember, when the hand of the Lord is upon you, even the civil authorities who do not obey our God will show us favor. When you are on a journey and the hand of the Lord is upon you and God has called you to do something, even people who do not know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior sometimes will offer their assistance and recognize your journey, recognize the righteousness of your God and help you on your journey. Why? God is in control of all creation. Amen. God is in control of the world that he created. God is in control of men and women who do not yet know him. Although spiritual warfare is constantly going on, the battle is raging every day, but our God is sovereign. Amen. Lest I depart. Remember, we're going to see here in chapter 8 again, this theme that the hand of the Lord is upon Ezra. And as a matter of fact, he is upon the group as well. But today we're going to chapter 8, seeking God for the journey. Now look, it would be easy to just say, hey, chapter 8, Ezra prayed, yay, let's move on. But the more I dug into the scriptures, I saw uh, and listened to the Lord myself. Um, we see, we're going to see several things that God is up to here. Now today, we're going, to, I'm go we're going to ask ourselves a couple of questions as well. We're going to say, uh, what is the activity of God here in this episode, right? In this episode of uh, Ezra Goes to Jerusalem, the house that God is building. 
Um, what is the activity of God? What is this passage of Scripture saying about who God is? And then what is God saying to his people? Secondly, what is God saying to his people? And thirdly, that's, yeah, none of that's in the notes. Thirdly, we should ask, be asking ourselves these questions all the time. What is God saying to me? Okay, so keeping that in the back of our minds, um, we will... Uh, we will move on to uh, our first point here. Now, remember, we said that seeking, we're saying in verse 21, seeking God requires a certain posture. Say, what do you mean, pastor? Look at verse 21 again. Then I proclaimed a fast there at the river of Ahava that we might humble ourselves before our God to seek him from him a safe journey for us, our little ones, and all our possessions. Seeking God requires a certain posture. Uh, next slide. And that posture is, we see directly in the word of God, that position that I should take when I am truly seeking God. If I desire for the hand of the Lord to be upon me for my journey, uh, we see that Ezra and the Israelites are going to do two things. They are going to fast and they're going to humble themselves. Now listen, I'm a Baptist. You all know we like fried chicken and mashed potatoes. Fasting is not at the top of our list. Uh, we like to talk about it. It's biblical and we'll read it in the Bible. But I know at least me and some of my friends, um, maybe not you guys, but some of my other friends, fasting just doesn't seem to be at the top of our spiritual disciplines. It is, in fact, a spiritual discipline. On a more serious note, I thought that a couple of my friends could explain this better than me. Um, Andrew Murray says this, Fasting helps express, deepens, confirms the resolution that we are ready to sacrifice anything, even ourselves, to attain what we seek for the kingdom of God. William Secker says this, By fasting, the body learns to obey the soul. By praying, the soul learns to command the body. Now that one, I'll read that one again. That one really impacted me. By fasting, the body learns to obey the soul. By praying, the soul learns to command the body. Fasting restrains our physical pleasure, but it enhances our spiritual pleasure. Our greatest pleasure comes by feasting on the person of Jesus Christ. Again, fasting reduces the influence of our self-will and invites the Holy Spirit to do more intense work in us. Christian fasting at its root is the hunger of a homesickness for God. Prayer is reaching out after the unseen. Fasting is letting go of all that is seen and temporary. Fasting helps express, deepen, confirm the resolution. I read that one already. Fasting is abstaining from anything that hinders prayer. Andrew Bonner. Listen, fasting in the biblical sense is choosing not to partake of food because your spiritual hunger is so deep, your determination and intercession so intense, or your spiritual warfare so demanding that you have temporarily set aside even fleshly needs to give yourself to prayer and meditation. Wesley Duell. And lastly, it would not be right if we didn't hear from John Piper. But that's what I think fasting is at heart. 
It is an intensification of prayer. It's a physical explanation point at the end of the sentence. We hunger for you to come in power. It is a cry with your body that says, I really mean it, Lord. This much I hunger for you. In the Old Testament, the Israelites took fasting very seriously. And we see that in the word of God. Let me talk just a minute before we read a couple of scriptures about this posture of humility. I, I, I directly relate this to the fear of the Lord, right? The fear of the Lord is that reverence, that awe, and sometimes that real fear of who our God is. But it also says, it says, God, you are here. You are the one who gets the reverence, respect, fear, and glory. And I'm here. And I am here looking up to you, giving you glory, asking for your help, praying and seeking you. So, so I recognize my position of humility before the almighty creator of the world. That's very important. Humility also says, I just might know, not know everything that I think I know. Humility says, as much as I might try and desire humility, I fail regularly. I failed this week. Um, I'll tell you mine if you tell me yours. No, you don't have to right now. But I failed in humility this week because I thought I knew something. And so, so um, my mouth went into gear before I took the proper posture of humility in my life this week. And so it cost me, um, well, we won't go there, but... Take, it's a posture, it's a position, it's part of a lifestyle that can only be cultivated by the Holy Spirit and the Word of God. Humility cannot be, humility, I'm making sure I'm saying this accurately, humility cannot be self-generated. True humility for us as followers of Jesus Christ only comes from the Lord. It cannot be self-generated. If I have to tell you that I am a humble person, I am not. If I have to tell you I am a humble person, if I have to come and tell you that I exercise, I just did not do that. Amen. Amen. That's right. So, so Ezra says, me and all my people, everybody that's going on this journey with me, we're going to do this thing. And we're not just going to stop eating for a day and, and, and maybe pray a little bit, but we're going to take a posture of true humility and fasting. Sometimes that's why they would put on the sackcloth and, and put ashes on their head because it just wasn't a pretty picture, right? Um, yeah, I won't paint any. Yeah, just picture sackcloth and ashes on some of us, right? It's just not a pretty picture. I'm saying just just discarding everything from my regular life and getting in the presence of God, fasting in humility. I don't think we can overdo it. So we're seeking God for the journey, right? I think about Baltimore City and I think about the journey that you were on and the journey that I am on. And you know what? Our journey in Baltimore City, I'll just say this, is sometimes not a safe journey, amen? Uh, the violence in our neighborhood just this past week has been horrifying, and people have lost their lives. People have lost their lives and been hurt um, um, who should not have been. Their journey was altered dramatically, right? They found some people this week, particularly even in our neighborhood, found themselves leaving this life and going on to the next, depending on their spiritual condition. They died. They died from violence. 
Our journey in the city is not always safe. It should not be this way. And we should be taking action individually and corporately. And I'm saying this, lest I cause you stress or tension, you are taking action when you live in the city of Baltimore and you pray for your city. You are taking action when you work and live and invest in your city. You are taking action when you share the love of Jesus Christ with others in your city. You are, when you are living this out, when you sacrifice something of yours to give to someone in need in Baltimore City. So if you're doing any of those things and many others that I have not even thought of, right? You are making a difference. You are pushing back the darkness and you are on your journey with the Lord in Baltimore City. But we have to pray because... You know, we're, we're, we're not here by accident. You are not here by accident in this city, in this time, in this place. So I will ask you the same question I asked myself all week. Not only do we look at the big picture, right? Um, but we're also saying, God, what are you going to say to me today about my journey right now? The rest of today, tomorrow, later this week. Um, I don't want to be a drama queen, but you're here in church. This is our place. Um, the other day, bullets rang out, shots rang out right out front. Um, bullets were flying right down here. A couple of the guys that work here got bullet holes in their truck um, that were working here in the building this week because someone tried to kill someone. A pregnant woman lost her life at 23rd and Barkley two days, two and a half days ago. And, and someone else in her car lost their life as well. You know, we have to be real. We have to, but we also must tell the truth. And the truth is, the truth is that if we're really seeking God on our journey in our city, there are some things that we want to know about who God is and what he's calling us to do and who he's calling us to be. Taking that posture of fasting and humility, Diane and I in our private conversations say that taking the posture of humility is never wrong. Taking a posture of humility, now it's not weakness, it's not a substitute for being firm. There are other times to do other things, but, but assuming a posture of humility is never wrong. I th think that's an accurate statement. If you wrote it down and you're wondering about it, we could talk about it later. Look at these verses. Um, I'd like to share them with you. Listen to what Peter says in 2 Peter, uh, 2 Peter chapter 5. Maybe it's 1 Peter and I just put 2 Peter. I think it is 1 Peter chapter 5. Y'all check me out. You younger men likewise be subject to your elders and all of you clothe yourselves with humility towards one another. Because God is opposed to the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. Therefore, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God. Here we are now, under the mighty hand of God. Ezra and the Israelites, right? The, the mighty hand of God was upon them, right? And I'm asking you, do you feel the hand of God upon you in your journey? Are you walking in the spirit and the will of God? And then I look at Second Peter and he says, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God. That's just what we were talking about, that reverence and that fear. Putting myself in the right position so that I can do the right thing and be the right person as God leads me. Okay, finish the verse, Charlie. So that he may exalt you at the proper time. 
And I just threw verse 7 in there because I believe it's relevant. Having cast all your anxiety or all your care on him because he cares about you. We need to hear that truth as well. But put on humility like clothes. Well, I dress myself every day. And some of y'all say, amen. I'm glad you do, Charlie. There are just some things that, that are right to do. But, but Peter says here, clothe yourselves with humility. Put on humility every day, Charlie. But just like you put on your socks and shoes before you go out of the house. He says that. And then he says, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God. That's a position and posture if I'm, going to, if I'm going to be in tune with the Holy Spirit on my journey. Next slide before I carry on. This scripture is crucial. Uh, matter of fact, I have a couple of verses up there. I didn't put them all up there uh, on purpose. but So I'm going to turn to... I'm going to turn to 2 Chronicles chapter 7 because what God is saying here to his people is important. Um, he says, oh, by the way, you know when God says this? God is speaking to Solomon. God is speaking to Solomon after Israel finished building the temple. After Israel finished building the first temple. We're in Ezra as the second temple is built, right? This is right after they built the first temple, which was so much bigger and it was more glorious, right? You guys remember we talked about that. Listen to what God says to Solomon in verse 11. Solomon finished the house of the Lord in the king's palace. He successfully completed all that he had planned on doing in the house of the Lord and in, its, and in his palace. Then the Lord appeared to Solomon at night and said... Listen to this. I have heard your prayer and have chosen this place for myself as a house of sacrifice. He goes on, verse 14. And my people who are called by my name humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. Then I will hear from heaven, will forgive their sin, and will heal their land. Do we need healing in our city? Amen. Amen. Do we need healing on Greenmount Avenue? We do. That's right. God is giving us the formula. God is giving us the formula for healing. And the formula for healing will not come from the mayor's office. It will not come from the Baltimore City Police Department. It will come from Jesus Christ. It will come from God. And it will come through God's people who do this. Now, don't say amen yet because y'all might not want to do a couple of these things. Because sometimes I don't want to. He says, if my people humble themselves, pray, seek my face, repent, repent from their sins, then I will hear from heaven, forgive their sins, and heal their land. We want healing in our city. We want healing in our church. If we want healing in our lives, God is giving us the formula for healing. We're seeing it in Ezra. Ezra knew this. He was a scribe. This guy, this guy wrote and memorized more of the Word of God than I ever will. These guys wrote so many copies of the Word of God that they could quote entire books of the Bible to you. That's what Ezra was. He was a scribe. You think he didn't know this? So, so here we are back in our episode of Ezra chapter 8. What are they doing? They're humbling themselves. They're fasting and they're seeking God. Next slide. Oh, we see this again. Here's what else God does. God will do this for us in the city of Baltimore, just like he did it for his people here in Ezra chapter 8. Seeking God reveals the plan for the journey. In verses 22 through 30, 
after praying, after fasting, Ezra makes some decisions. But he doesn't make some decisions until he gets that wisdom. He gets that. He hears back from God. They fasted. They prayed. They actively sought God's face. And in 22 through 30, Ezra starts giving some instructions. He says, I was ashamed to request from the king troops. Okay, we read that. I didn't want to ask the king for troops and guns and all that stuff, right? I didn't want to ask the king for this to keep us safe because I already told the king that the hand of the Lord was upon us. Oh my goodness, listen, listen. And and in Baltimore City, I think I'm hearing, uh, I think God is convicting me of something in a fresh way. You know, um, if the hand of the Lord is truly upon me, I, don't misunderstand me. These other entities have their proper place to keep order and government in our city. But if the hand of the Lord is upon me, I don't have anything to be afraid of. And I need to do my part to stop the violence in our city. And call when if I want God to heal our land, God will give you a plan. God will give me a plan for our journey in our community, in our church, and in our city. So, look, Ezra was a smart guy, but God gives him this plan, right? So he says, um, I can't ask the king for the troops and protection because I already told him that the hand of our God is favorably disposed towards us. Here's some things that Ezra knew. Ezra knew who his enemies were. Ezra knew who his enemies were. The lands that they were going to go through, the Hittites, the Jebusites, the Parasites, and not Parasites, Parasites. Look, I could make a wrong. Oh, no, don't, Charlie, don't do that. He said, we know we have to go through these lands. These people hate us. They would really like to kill us. We're not very strong. We got a bunch of families and priests with us on our way to Jerusalem. These people could pick us apart if they wanted to. And yet I have sought, we have sought the Lord, fasted and prayed in humility. And guess what? I know that the hand of our Lord is upon us and we're going to have a safe journey. So, but he also knows some things about, um, 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 next slide. He also knows some things about who God is too. Seeking God in this way, seeking God reveals wisdom and gives courage. So he gave Ezra the wisdom not to ask the government for the help because he knew that God was going to provide. That's number one. He said, this time I'm not going to the king. The king gave him a boatload of money right? King gave him a boatload of money, carte blanche, gave him authority, wrote some letters. He had all the good stuff. But when he sought God, um, God gave him wisdom and gave him courage uh, for the journey. God does something else we see in verse 22. God, seeking God reveals spiritual truth. We see something here about the nature and character of who God is in verse 22. Um, And we don't have to infer uh, very much here to see it. He says in the end of the verse, he said, the hand of the Lord our God is favorably disposed to all those who seek him. So if we truly seek God with a right heart, you can experience and be certain of the favor of the Lord in your life. Secondly, secondly, we see about the nature and character of God that God is powerful. And God will execute wrath against all unrighteousness and evil. God will execute judgment. People will experience God's wrath who do not turn to him in salvation. God will do that in the city of Baltimore the same way he did it on behalf of the Israelites because he is a righteous and holy God. God cannot tolerate sin. Therefore, the price has to be paid for sin. For those of you who know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, 
Jesus paid that price for you at Calvary. But we learn something. I always, whenever we see something about the nature and character of who God is, we have to talk about it. So seeking God reveals spiritual truth. Here it reveals spiritual truth about God's nature and character. God is powerful. Your God is powerful. You don't have to live in fear on Green Mount Avenue. I don't have to live in fear on Green Mount. That doesn't mean that that doesn't mean I'm stupid. That that doesn't mean I don't I'm not thoughtful about where I go and and what I do and with whom I go and do it. But I also know that my God is powerful and he will take care of me. I also know that my God is powerful and his will will be done. I also know, based just solely on this scripture, that God will execute judgment and some will experience God's wrath because they do not confess and forsake their sins. God will avenge murder in the streets. We, we and, and I will say this to my friends, uh, one of my friends this week, and he will not appreciate it, it is not our role or any person's role to go out and avenge evil with evil. That's right. That's right. Retali- retaliatory evil, retaliatory strikes in our city cost people hundreds of lives every, every year. So I got, so, so, so I got got, now you're going to get got and then I'm going to get your people and your people are going to get my people and then all of a sudden hundreds of people a year in our city are dead. God is not going to tolerate that for long. So we see something about the nature and character of God. Thirdly, um, seeking God reveals the details of the plan. Look, God gave Ezra some wisdom here. Now here's what he did. I thought he did it for a different reason, but... Ezra gets these Levites, right? He didn't have the Levites right away, as a matter of fact. He looked over his group and he said, oh, you know what? We need some Levites. Get some of those Levites over here. We need some of those temple servants. He divided up all all the money that the king gave him. The king gave him great big trash bags full of money. if, If you added this up in Ezra chapter 8, we didn't read all the verses. If you added it up in today's terms, it was $43 million worth of stuff for the temple and for the Israelites to take with them. Ezra said, so here's what we're going to do. We're going to get some Levites and a guy from each tribe, and we're going to divide this up in front of all the people, right? So integrity is at play. We're going to weigh it out, divide it up. You're all going to see it weighed out and divided up. Then you're going to carry it all to Jerusalem. And then when we get there, we're going to get it out and we're going to weigh it again and then put it where it belongs. God's not playing. Look, the pagan king, who, who was not a righteous man, and others in the country gave all this money for the Israelites to take to their temple on behalf of their God. So, so seeking God revealed the details of wisdom to Ezra about how they were going to make this journey. This was, from Babylon to Jerusalem, about a three-and-a-half-month, extremely dangerous journey. So these decisions that Ezra's making could cost people their lives. He said, we're not asking the king for guards and horses and, and whatever weapons they have. He says, we're not because this is what God told me to do. He said, we're going to divide up all the money this way um, and, and, and we're going to start our journey. And then lastly, seeking God can give, uh, gives one the confidence to move forward. Seeking God gives one the confidence. So, so verse 23, so we fasted and we sought our God concerning this and he listened to our prayers. Now it's time to do it. God heard us. 
God heard us. Now it's time to do it. Next, we're going to see in verse 31. Um, this is the good part. This is so exciting, right? If we turn to uh, just flip the page here, verse 31. Then we journeyed from the river Ahava, Ahava on the 12th of the first month to go to Jerusalem. Watch this. And the hand of our God was over us. Oh, wow. I love that. Um, and the hand of our God was over us and he delivered us from the hand of the enemy and the ambushes by the way. We don't know this, but there, were, there may have been ambushes planned for the Israelites that did not happen. I mean, it's implied here, right? He says he delivered us from the hand of the enemy. So somehow, you know, God thwarted the plans of the enemies as the Israelites were on their journey. God, the hand of the Lord was upon them. They went on a dangerous journey. I thought about you guys this morning. I thought about myself this morning. February 2019, after I dropped Jalen off at home one night, I came home and I was carjacked at gunpoint in my own neighborhood. I can't tell you how mad I was. I can't even tell you some of the things I said because Jesus didn't like them. But I can tell you this, the hand of my God was upon me and I was not hurt. The hand of my God is upon me so I don't live in fear. The hand of my God is upon me, and this is my community, not the devil's. So, so, so the hand of the Lord our God was over us, and he delivers us from our enemies. I will ask you today, what enemies this week might you be needing to be delivered from? What enemies are lying in wait? You remember what God told Cain in Genesis chapter 3? He said, but sin, but sin is crouching at the door and its desire is for you, but you must master it. Oh my God. So God will deliver you this week from the hand of the enemy if you are fasting and praying and seeking his face. What enemies are awaiting me this week, whether spiritual or physical? Sometimes, uh, I don't know how biblical this is, but some days I could be my own worst enemy. Amen. Yes. Amen. God might deliver me from me some days. Yes. Oh, Lord. Hey, hey, some of y'all know what I'm talking about. So seeking God for the journey, seeking God for the journey yields God's presence and protection. And that's what we see answered prayer. You want to see answered prayer in your life this week? Hum humble yourself. Take a fast. Seek God's face. Trust him this week. And lastly, number four, seeking God for the journey propels us forward. Seeking God for the journey propels us. There are days where you, in Baltimore City where you might say, you know what? I quit. I quit. You might have some other words in front of it and behind it. If you know, no, no, I'm sorry. I might. You wouldn't. So, but seeking God for the journey will propel you forward. If I humble myself, I won't do that dumb stuff. If I fast and seek God's face, God will propel me forward in his spirit. How do I know that? Look at verses uh, 33 through 36. They got to Jerusalem. They unloaded all the money. They counted all the money. Everything was good. They put it in the temple. Then they even went back out into the communities that God, that the king had given them the opportunity to govern. Not only were they going to govern their own selves, um, govern themselves. They made sacrifices. They worshiped. 
and then they delivered the king's edicts to the other people. Listen, one of the ways, um, one of the things we must do when God answers our prayers, we must do verse 35. We have to bring our 12 bulls, 96 rams, 77 lambs, 12 male goats, and bring our offerings to the Lord. We need to come into God. Well, you don't need to come into God's house, but it's a good place. But we need to seriously worship God. The 12 goats were a sin offering, one for each tribe. So even when God answers our prayers, we confess our sins and we worship God and we praise him for what he is doing in our journey. We praise him for answering our prayer. We praise him that after we fasted, humbled ourselves and sought God, that he heard our entreaty, just like he said to Ezra. We must worship. When God answers prayers, we must worship. We must glorify God, praise God, thank God, and have joyful hearts. I need to have a joyful heart. I need to have a more joyful heart. Right now, today, here on Green Mountain 24th, Pastor Charlie needs to have a more joyful heart. I need this medicine. I need to seek God this way this week. And I am certain that in your journey, as you consider your journey, where you go this week, where you go to school, where you go to work, where you interact with others in the community, you know, you know where the en enemy might be lurking and waiting for you. And that's right. You know where, you know where the enemy might be. And my prayer for you today is that you, like me, like I need to do this week, I must do this week, is to seek God and to humble myself and to seek his face. Yeah. I better not leave out the fasting part, but... Uh, some of us need to get after that as well. A spiritual fast. Um, however God calls us to do that. If you really, really want to hear from God in a special way or a particular area of your life, that's the way to do it. Amen.